Yo, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody, to the Breeze Shooters podcast show. I'm your host, Lou, joined by my good friend, El Papa. El Papa. El Papa. He's pulling out the shirt after Ramadan, you know. I respect, I respect. And um, anyway, yours sounded harder than mine. (laughs) Pause. And we are the Breeze Shooters Podcast Show. Today, big guest, Chris. Big time. Excited. I'm excited. The Prince of Comedy, Mr. Mark Vieira himself. We're going to get it. Vieira. Vieira. Bronx, Bronx, New York, Rican. Uh, What can I say? He's just a comics comic, man. He's the... If you ever see this guy online or if you ever seen him in person, and I actually saw him three times in person, the guy kills. His material kills. He's very relatable to to all people of all walks of life. But uh, if you're Latin, you would definitely appreciate him even more because those stories hit home. But I'm really excited to have him on. So we're gonna, me and Chris are going to chop it up chop it up with him, and we're going to talk about his start comedy game what projects he has going on so it should be uh, a very entertaining show and with that being said papa how's everything man how you doing everything is good man and life is good and 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 but 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 i, I i've been wanting to run something by you okay um we, i know we have law's dilemma law's dilemma shout out to laura khan yeah and I want a segment. I want two segments, actually. This guy. Um, this guy, he's never. He's not happy just being on the show. Being, he sees Law. Law has a segment, and this fucker wants to cut in. He's like Joe Pesci. I want in. <laughs> I want a piece of the action. <laughs> um, you know I'm a positive guy, Lou. You know I like to give positive for for uh, for 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 those who. Back when me and Lou started this, I used to end always the show with a with an affirmation quote, a, a positive quote, uh, uh, you know, a, a reassuring quote for the people mm. and for myself. So I still want to do that. I want to go back to that. But right now, what's really tickling my fancy? Ooh, tickling. I gotta reach out to my to my white audience. I found out I found out yesterday I got white audience. <laughs> What's up, Mark? <laughs> oh god. He covers he covers two very large demographics. He covers the Italians and the Jews. Yeah, listen, yeah, that's listen, all I need. As a matter of fact, all I need is the Jews. You yeah. can stay with everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um uh, as you know, uh, last week, for the last couple of weeks, we've we've been. Uh, I don't, if you don't know, you, you probably were because I know you're a busy man. Uh, the Elon Musk situation with Twitter. Yeah, he he bought Twitter. No, no, he took over. And normally, he 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 did. A, you ever seen those movies, those hostile takeover movies and stuff like that? Maybe not the shows. I, I'm into that because I, I, I know that if I would have, if I would have continued. Um, my wasn't education, that, I could have been a lawyer. Wasn't that like a billion dollar purchase or something like that? It, I know it was very expensive. Well, Multi billion. 40, yeah, no, no, 40. We're talking about 44 billion, 40, 44, or 50 billion dollars that he, he outright bought it. And, but, um, but you know and, why, though, right? Well, I, I, I guess you're going to say something and then go ahead. So, why, why do you think he did that? It's, it's just to push his agenda, man. That's one of the most streamed platforms. So he can push his agenda. And he can shape people's thoughts, man. That's power right there. And that's what he's doing. And that's, my friends, that's what's wrong with media. It should be, it should be, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going off somewhere else, but it should be. No, but go right ahead. Cause that's sh- where I want to go. It shouldn't be in the hands of the rich. And, and not to say that the rich can't have their own outlets, but I'm saying a platform like that should be unbiased. It should be used uh, to communicate stuff, but it shouldn't be to shape the, the opinions and thoughts of the general population. That's just my thought. Big spectrum, big picture. 
That's the, oh, okay. that's the only problem I have with it. Brother, you're you're an inventor. Keep on inventing, doing what you're doing. Why are you going into the communication game now? I don't have a problem with him buying it. Okay. Yet. Yet. Okay. Um, I did think about what you just said. Um, Twitter, all these platforms, these social media platforms. Um, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I I I want to cancel cancel culture. Go I'm gonna start a move. I'm gonna start a movement. When is the petition gonna come by? I'm gonna. I, I don't like that word because I, it gives me PTSD. PT PTSD. Yeah, I don't want to wear that 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 P word. I don't. I don't. You don't say it in my in my presence, please. But um, I want to cancel cancel culture, and I'm gonna tell you why, Lou. Why is that? These millennials. There we go. Millennials. I believe they're not as strong-minded as are, are as we are, as the majority of we are. The way I say majority, I don't want to. I don't want to say that all millennials are are weak-minded. I'm just saying that what I'm seeing. This cancel culture, this, uh, and I'm gonna get you. You tapped in, a, in, a, in a, on a good point. So this, kind of, and I'm gonna get to the media part in a minute. So as of right now, I have no problem with Elon Musk buying Twitter because now it goes back to say whatever you want to say. But along the lines of what you're saying, and this is where the weak-minded come. They. I found out, I don't know if it was Trump or something, that the Russians had, like, they could persuade a certain amount of people to vote just by putting content out there. Mm-hmm. That's where I believe the, the weak-minded people um, um, are, are, are so affected because... If you're going to let something that you see on Twitter reshape your thoughts or change your thoughts without you doing the, the due diligence, you're not a smart person. You're not a, you're not a strong-minded person. Um, so if you heard Twitter had banned, uh, listen, I'll put it out there. Me, I, I, I don't, I don't want to speak about, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I didn't like Trump. I didn't like Trump. I I thought he was a uh, he was too he was too off the off off the cuff type dude. You know, to be a president, I think that's a little bit dangerous. But let him keep talking. They banned him off Twitter because they were saying that, and that's not. I I went to Trump, but there's been a bunch of people banned. You can't talk about um uh um transgender you can't talk about uh homosexuality you can't talk you can't have an opinion because they will shut you down so i want to i want to start something and if you think that our stock might take a hit on this you we'll, we'll talk in the next production meeting we'll talk i want to start cancel cancel culture I want everybody to be able to say whatever they want to say without having an a, a, a issue or, or you know, let, let them listen. If I say something uh, offensive, I got to be held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. But let the person hold me accountable. The same way he could, if I, if I say something offensive on a social media platform, let that person say it, uh, come back at me. Mm. And the problem with the media, tapping on what you were saying is, we can't trust CNN. We can't trust Fox. We can't trust MSNBC, BPD. We can't trust none of these conglomerates. You surprised that rolled off, huh? You got that one off? rolled off. It rolled off. Um, um, I was I was gonna try to say it again, but I don't, I don't want to fuck it up because you know you might not you might not edit it you might not edit it out. No, no, this is all and state. The, the, the the false narrative that they portray, and they've been caught out there, is is bad. So you stop losing the people that 
are supposed to inform us are not informing us, are, are, are falsely informing us because they have an agenda. Mm. So, so Big Chris is going to be part, it's going to be the, the Big Chris the is can- co founder of the canceling of cancel culture. No, 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 no. let's not go co founder. The ambassador of cancel, cancel culture. And I got the shirt to go with it. Yo, with that. The, they know your the trouble. They know your trouble coming down the hallway. You go that guy right there. That's a problem. He, 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 he's a problem. Um, so, well, so listen, yeah, I just I go ahead. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I'm fully versed in it, but just you know the little tidbits that I did hear. Um, I think. I think the media is a place where it has to remain biased and because its role is so important is keeping people informed. Idle. Yeah. Idle. So, so that's the problem when you have like um, these outlets like YouTube and all that, you could get, you could, you could definitely get messages out there that are necessarily not true. Uh, could be dangerous, could shape people's minds because listen, ultimately what do people gravitate to? You gravitate to news or stuff that is kind of speaking to you or appeals to you. So if you have a stronghold over a group, you could influence them to do pretty much what you want, depending and on we've seen that. The, depending on who's uh, conveying the message. So that's why, um, you know, you know, freedom of speech and all that stuff is important and it's cool. Everybody should do it. However, major platforms that I think they have to be responsible on what they put out. And who knows how Elon's going to use it? Maybe it's just a business move. Who knows? But the thing is that it has the potential because whenever somebody has that much power and they're working on all these initiatives and, you know, they're very influential, it it, it could be a recipe for disaster. So um, what, 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 what can he like, like if he starts, first of all, I don't see him talking politics. Not yet, at least. If he starts pushing his SpaceX thing, I, that, I won't mind that. It's like me buying. It's like us, the, the in the breeze shooters. We we wanna we wanna push comedy. That's what that's what we do. That's that's our business, pushing comedy. You know. So if he wants to push his Tesla batteries, Tesla cars, SpaceX, if he wants to push that on Twitter, if that's what you're referring to, I don't think that's what you're referring to. That won't bother me. Now, if he's going to put his own, his, uh, um, his own, uh, then I'll say, you know what? But we have to, as individuals, as sound individuals, we have to, but that's the problem. Common sense ain't so common. And like you said, if they reach a certain type of demographic, there's just, the sheep. I call them sheep. No, but you know what, Chris, though, um, I, I don't say I don't say that the people are uneducated uninformed I just think time time is very precious and I don't think people have the time to do the legwork I know when I was growing up you relied on these media outlets to report the truth because everybody has that you know they have their nine to five they got their family there's a lot going on so when you go to these publications it's to get factual information so you can formulate your thoughts and whatever and if it's something of interest you dig deeper and you get you know you get more information but not everybody comes across every story like you know what let me dig a little bit more now the problem with um having a major you know uh platform like that is because now i could bombard you with different messages that over time, just, uh, I'm gonna brainwash you because you're gonna see maybe, it so much and be like, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's true. And subconsciously, or, you you might not even have any control of it. Yeah, and th- th- what they're doing is they're shaping and forming your thoughts on how you you put it like this. Let's have Jeff Bezos. Let's have Jeff Bezos would have bought Twitter, right? He could essentially have everybody just buy solely from him if he has the right people running that platform where everything is everything is amazon there's no other there's no other outlets to get your stuff and he'll he'll monopolize everything or a lot of businesses will go out will go under so it's a powerful tool if it's used rightly and trust me a guy like um what's his name elon musk elon musk you're not seeing the you're not seeing the game plan unfold now. He already knows what the intentions are. Oh, 100%. So, 
So, you know, right now we're just seeing step one, but he's probably already at step 15 of how he's going to, you know, roll this out and how it's going to be used. Again, I don't um, know, not knowing all the ins and outs. I'm just, you know, speculating because that's what we're doing. Just, you know, going I back don't, and forth. I don't, I don't, I don't like that you're, I don't like your point of view. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Knock it down. <laughs> because, not because you're wrong. I don't like your point of view because with Elon Musk buying Twitter, um, maybe he could be, we could be pushed. We could be part of his agenda. Let's, let's, let's push breeze shooters. Let the world know what real comedy is from the soul. And let the world know that these two gentlemen just bring a bunch of light to the world. Mm-hmm. See, but it, now when he hears you, He's gonna say, "I like the the lesser fat guy. The bigger fat guy is just he's just too he's just too political for me." <laughs> uh, two things. Uh-huh. It just hit me now. First of all, uh, uh, um, uh, getting great feedback on our Nike uh, reboot commercial. Shit. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Charles Barkley to hit me up. I, I listen, Ernie. I'm like today. Today's the day. Today's the day. They, 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 the playoffs. Uh, they're gonna. They're gonna. They, they're gonna. Uh, they gotta have games today on TNT. So, uh, uh, great feedback on that. Another thing that I wanted to say uh, today. You put out a, 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 a notice that we weren't gonna be recording uh, live. Um, I don't know if you're trying to. Uh, hit a specific demographic of people but you sounded i the way i saw it is that you you were trying to sound sexy hey people you know today we're not gonna like just like that like like you were like you were trying to be like al green like yeah people you know you know or not not angry very white today we're not gonna do it from the thing you know so thank you for listening so i so i'm i just wanted to bring that out just just talk normal though because it that keeps was- people out Chris, that was the radio voice. That's called Wolfman Jack, 70s. Great, oh, that's what it great, is? Great disc jockey. <laughs> now, ladies, cats and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to interrupt our regular programming. <laughs> hey, um, uh, I don't know what's going uh-huh. on here, Chris. Man. Oh, come on, man. Because I want to ask him to join my movement of canceling cancel culture. He'll be, we'll be like, I'll oh, put no. him right next to me. You don't want to get that boy hype. <laughs> you, let me that's, tell that's you what, something. That's, that's, why, that's, that's why I'm here. As soon as uh-huh. I'm going to let him do it, I'm going to get a couple of words out. I'm going to let you shoot out a couple of important questions that I'm pretty sure you have. But um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him to join my movement. Mm. I have to. I need I need um, name people because that's what you need name recognition. Name recognition. <laughs> oh man! Oh, if not, then uh, then I guess we'll we'll touch base again. Uh, what was that at four o'clock? It's at four o'clock for um, for this guy, Tito Tito Puente Junior. Is he? Is he? Is there anything? Um, no, that, that, no, that's no, why. No. Yeah, that's why I'm. I don't see any. Um, you know, any movement. No, you was he. He gave you his cell number or something like that. I think or no. I did. Yeah, and I texted him. Texted him two times already. I don't. I'm about to throw the Puerto Rican flag. You know how that goes, Chris. Fuck it. <laughs> Chris, you know how. To, Chris, let's see if it works. You think I should try, it, Chris? Yeah, no, 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 no. Do you think I should try? Last time, so ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what's going on, a long time ago, we had the rapper Cuban Link on the show, but it was a fucking, it it was an effort. It it took a lot of effort, mainly on my side. So Chris was like, yo, like, uh, what's going on? And then I kind of, I lift the curtain. I said, Chris, this is the communication. This is what I've been doing. And Chris asks me, why so many Cuban flags? Because anytime the conversation got stale, I'll throw the flag and all of a sudden he'll, he'll converse with me. <laughs> Chris was like, get the fuck out of here. That shit don't work. So 
me and Cuban were going back and forth, and then the, like usual, this went over for like a fucking month. Me and Chris jumped on like about three Zoom calls that never materialized. And then I, I, I stopped the, the Cuban flag thing for a while. And then one day I said, Chris, I'm going to just throw the flag. And Chris was desperate at this point. He said, fuck it, throw the flag. Throw the flag. Cubans, boom. Yeah, fellas, I'll jump on tomorrow. And then boom, it played out. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's see if the Puerto Rican flag carries as much weight as the Cuban flag. Here we go. Oh, it definitely carries the weight, but the throw it, throw it. It all depends on, on, on the recipient. Yeah, but it, it you know. Chris, quick, uh, Puerto Rican flag, PR flag. Mama, Mama, no, real quick, just put the Puerto Rican flag and then put the Bronx behind it. Essentially, <laughs> oh, nice. I wish I could do that. So, let me hit him with the Puerto Rican flag. Boom, I sent it. Now, let me see <laughs> the Bronx. <laughs> Oh man, I hope he's having a good day. <laughs> uh, he's the one that put the time too, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you know what? Now I'm gonna hit him. It's uh what's this guy? Um what are the two brothers? Uh the comedians, the ones on showtime. Uh there's De Jesus and um Mero, Mero, and... yeah. They they they're holding the X. Let me throw that right now. Boom. Mama went Bronx all day. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Ladies, if this works, man, I'm going to edit out that part because I don't want to give away the gravy. <laughs> the secret sauce. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, um, ran into Sharif and, and, and his lovely wife, Mana. Shout out to them. And shout Shafiq, out to the... Shafiq or Sharif? Shafiq. Shafiq. Okay. Shafiq uh, uh, ran into uh, him and uh, um, happy, happy, ha yeah, his wife, happy Eid, uh, happy holidays to our, uh, our brothers and, and our Good. communities out there. Our Muslim Muslims. Brothers. Muslims, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ramadan's no joke, man. I mean, it's... I do, Ram I do Ramadan all the time. You know, it's more, it's, more, it's more than fasting. It's the praying. It's, you know. Oh, you, you got to pray? You got to pray? Yeah, that, 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 that's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> but uh, I don't even. Uh, blessings, right? You would say blessings, happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays, um, blessings. Yeah. No, but. Uh, I don't know the meaning of. That's the thing. I, I feel a little bit stupid. I don't know the meaning. I know that after Ramadan. Ramadan? Ramadan? You just said Ramadan? Hey, it's Ramadan. <laughs> Thinking about your cancer culture, it might be coming for you. <laughs> I'm like, um, why is this guy talking? <laughs> they celebrate Eid. So, oh, oh. I want. If it's, it's like a religious, uh, to your knowledge, is it a religious? Uh, I believe it's a religious holiday because. Yo, Chris, I am. You, you heard my church stories. I don't know what to do. I almost, I got busted by the not, church police. I, I understand that, but we, uh, as, 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 the, the least that we can do is, is uh, do our research regarding these different religions that, you know, I, I'm the type of person that I want to, you know. Hello, oh, Mark's going to jump in. He's going to jump in. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, it worked. It worked. <laughs> it worked. Yes. <laughs> the Puerto Rican flag. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he didn't pop up yet, but he said I'm here. Um, no, um, fucker, you're the one asking the question. You do the research, so you're 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 just creating work. No, I understand that, Lewis, but you just said that you know, yeah, yeah. like you we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna pause that. We're gonna pause that because you know, you're you're a fool. You're gonna bring up a question and then tell me, hey, we should do our due diligence to find out. <laughs> What's the meaning or what's behind? Because, yeah, because you don't know either, Lewis. No, but I, I'm not interested. I'm not the one asking the question. We, we, but we should. But we should be interested. Man, you're lucky. Mark's coming on. Or else, <laughs> Mark, what's going on, brother? <laughs> you should yo, be yo, what's going on? Come on, Mark. Mark, tell me, I'm tell me that. Good. What's up, everybody? How we doing? Good, good. Mark, tell me good, that good, Puerto good. Rican flag that I texted you was like the bat signal. 
that you were like, all right, <laughs> shit, I got to go. It, it, it's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. I saw it in the sky, and I was like, yo, got to get to it. Got to get to work. <laughs> and then I backed it up with the Bronx. I said, come on, man. He sees the X. He got to come out. I, yo, they need me. They need me. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bubba, we were drowning here. I said, where's Mark? Where's Mark? I'm here. Now. Got some- I'm here. What's up, everybody? Mark. Mark, it got so bad we started talking about religion, and that never goes well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were staring at each other. What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Lou. Uh, my buddy here, this is Chris, and uh, we are the Breeze Shooters Podcast, and it's a true pleasure to have you on the show today. Man, can't tell you, huge fan, huge fan, and um, I guess let's start off with is it safe to still do stand-up comedy, considering what happened to Chris Rock and uh, the whole Will Smith situation? Um, it's always safe to do stand-up comedy, man. It's not the first nor the last, um, you know, confrontation between stand-up comic and audience member. The difference is, is that I'm assuming that Will Smith felt that, you know, I guess we all know that celebrities feel more entitled to express themselves in a way that they feel like it because that's what they get paid for, you know? And so I think in that moment, obviously a a poor judgment on the side of Will Smith, not a poor joke on the side of Chris Rock because a joke is a joke is a joke. Plus Chris Rock had about six to seven writers. I think, you know, I think it was a kill the messenger sort of situation. Whether, whether, Whether Chris Rock went off script or not, uh, for the joke, still did, didn't make, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, I, I mean, we're used to it. You know, this is the thing. I know Chris Rock is used to anything. I just didn't think he was prepared for Will Smith to make such a bad judgment. You can tell he wasn't ready, but no, no, it was no. just one of those things where you're like, damn, bro. Like you could tell Chris Rock was just not expecting that of a Will Smith. You, you understand what I mean? Like to take it so street, to take it so gully, as we say, so ratchet mm-hmm. as to expose himself in the most vile manner to, to, you know, to do that at the Oscars. I don't think Chris Rock was expecting it. Do I think Chris Rock always expects it? Always. Well, he's a stand up comic. He does shows at the Comedy Cellar where the audience is right in his face. They're not even a foot away. He's always expecting it. He's not expecting it from Will Smith. He's not expecting it at the Oscars. And again, you know, there's always still a percentage of me that says that could have been some some shit they drew up at the in the drawing board backstage. You know, a lot of people are saying that. But you you know what's crazy though? Um, uh, with that whole situation, Will was laughing. So I know Chris is making eye contact. So you're thinking, all right, my joke is landing. You know, I'm getting he's reciprocating. But all of a sudden, it changed, and it just shows you the power of the wife. You know, she, hey, it was not yeah. that funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you believe if you believe 100 percent that it wasn't contrived, you know, I don't I, I never take anything at face value. There's always some stuff that happens backstage. You know, Chris Rock is selling more tickets. He's, yeah. you know, he's selling. I, I think the tickets went from 100 bucks to 450. So and then now all of a sudden, all the Will Smith movies are up on Netflix and Amazon and all kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow. OK. You can see how if they, if they, even if he took the smack in real life, sort of like in wrestling, right? In wrestling, people get smacked up for money all day long, all day mm-hmm. long. They're taking them, you know, and it, it's to sell more tickets, right? It's to sell more tickets. It's sort of like, how do they say, like real life uh, uh, art imitating life and then vice versa. So if you look at it that way, you can't really, you can't really say for certain, oh, no, 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 he got smacked because he said, no, it was a, it was a, it was a cheap joke. But it definitely wasn't worth a smack, right? I've Absolutely. I've heard dudes I've heard dudes in the street say worst thing about somebody's mama, you know, and not get smacked up like where I'm from. So you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, my woman believes that it was contrived. She doesn't believe anything that happens in Hollywood is real. <laughs> so I gotta I gotta I gotta side with her. I gotta side with her that a percentage of me believes that it was some you know not that it was a hoax, but you know you know a hoax means that it didn't you know it did really happen. But what 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 was the essence of it really happening? Was it yo? Uh, we can both benefit if this goes down, like blah blah. You understand what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and again, even Chris Rock's brother selling more tickets. Like, this is how powerful these two men are. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. So, uh, uh, you know, if you see if if we see a reality show, 
if we see a reality show be based on this, know that this that this shit was, you know, this was <laughs> something that they that they, that they put together. A hundred percent. And even 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 um first of all, the joke was like we say back in the island, fresita. It was a it was a it was a strawberry joke. It was it was it wasn't even a, a joke that could even get any shouldn't get anybody mad. And the second thing also is what just Mark just said. It was it's so weird, it's so uh, convenient that right after the Oscars, Chris Rock w- was about to start his his tour. Right. And and now and, and from one hundred it went to four or five hundred dollars a ticket. So it's right. hard. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe because you know yeah. that, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the way things yeah. move. Yeah, when you peel it back, sort of like an onion, you go, wait a minute, come mm. on. Mm. Like I said, if you go on Netflix or whatever, you see a Hancock is on. You know Netflix, that movie. That movie should not be in any annals of any any good movie. Like Hancock, you put Hancock back on. Like Mark, all Mark, the films. Like, Hancock is not, the one you put back on Netflix. <laughs> on Netflix is a top ten, top ten, one of the top yeah, ten movies. Yeah, top ten in the U.S. You're like in the U.S. In whose house is this a top? <laughs> I, it's better than the other one with the with the aliens, bright whatever it's called. Um, oh no, that said, one's back there. That one's on. No, there. that the one's back. That one's on. on there. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you're like, hold on a second, Gemini Man is on. Like nobody saw Gemini Man. Nobody. Why is this on? <laughs> <laughs> at least come back with the with with something else. So, Mark, you, you had just mentioned that you're from the Bronx. So, yes, um, tell us a little bit about that, man. What, what part of the Bronx you're from? Uh, what hood you represented, or you used to represent? You know where you're from. <laughs> uh, I will always be Castle Hill. Oh, you know man. the Castle Hill section. Uh, oh. You know we rep in the bigger in the bigger picture. We rep Soundview. Um, again, you know, home of KRS-One, nice. um, CL Smooth, you know, just a bunch of dudes that, uh, that, that have big dreams of, you know, of coming out of our, you know, our homegrown sort of hip hop culture, uh, break dance, you know, uh, that, that was the era from which I was birthed. You know what I mean? The era where we used to watch people break dance and go, I could do that. And then we would go grab a box and open it up and try the same moves, you know? Um, so, you know, the, the Bronx, although, it, you know, it, it's weird how you get older and you realize that it's where I'm from, but it's not where I'm going, you know? And so the sky's the limit and where I live doesn't, you know, doesn't show the world who I am, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a, I'm a, I'm a compilation of the good and the bad that I've experienced, you know, from getting robbed every week, you know, everywhere we went uh, to fighting my way out of, you know, out of the hood and, you know, sort of progressing little by little by little, you know, again, the Bronx is just where my story begins, but it's not necessarily where my story ends, you know, like, and I, and I take pride in that. Mark, you know what, that was so well said because a lot of people, they wear where they come from and it's like, there's no um there's not a lot of involvement it should it should be a compilation like you said it's part of you but it doesn't it's not the end of all of you yeah. you know so i i like the way you just put that and i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna remember that it was really nice so thank you let's start with comedy brother how, how do you get started man and I, yeah man i gotta tell you you're funny as fuck man you're funny <laughs> you know you know how i know you're funny Yo, this is this is the test of how you could tell somebody's funny i'm in bed right Late at night, it's not freaky, Mark. Don't get scared. I'm in bed, and, and I fucking. And hear... I'm touching myself. <laughs> oh my god! And... <laughs> Where is this going? Where is this going? Entonces, entonces, eh, my pantalones start to grow in a very weird manner. What? <laughs> no, so I, I'm in bed. It's about twelve thirty at night. And I'm trying to go to sleep and I hear giggling. It's my freaking wife. She's next to me. And she's just cackling, laughing, laughing. I said, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, I'm watching TikTok. I'm watching this guy. And I'm like, all right. Hour later, she's still laughing. She she went on one of your freaking vines and saw every video you did. Laughing. I, I said, yo, this guy right here, he's good. And mind you, yeah. we seen you at the Mark Anthony concerts like maybe three or four times because we went yeah. to about 15 concerts and you were yeah. always killing there. And that's how at that point I said, Mark is freaking good. When you can make a woman laugh like that, yo, you're good. 
you're real yeah. good. Yeah, but, I always say my, my comedy is good for the soul, but it's also soul bearing. Like I make, yeah. I, th I think now I make people laugh because we connect on like yeah. a bunch of different levels. And I know I connect with the women because, you know, uh, I, I've experienced the wrath of every level of woman. You know what I mean? So whether it's the nosy side, the, the gangster side, and, and I love being on stage and portraying you know, the female voice, you know, yeah. and I feel like I How give it its you? justice. I give it its justice, <laughs> but I feel like it's still a, they realize that I'm a character of, of their inner, their, because a lot of, you know, what's funny is like Latinas are like, yo, that's me. That's me. You know? and, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and then, yeah. And you see white, so a lot of times the white women are like, like, I don't do that, but I want to, like, they want to, like, they want it, you know? They're like, but I don't want to lose my house. I don't want to lose my house. Like, they're like, you know, but, and so they're more pocketed. They're more like undercover gangsters. Whereas, you know, Latinas are like, no, I smacked them yeah. yesterday for looking at bitches TikTok. You know, you're like, Damn. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but so how did it all start for you? You know, like, uh, when did you get into comedy? How did it happen? And, you know, at what point did you think to yourself, you know, I want to pursue this full time? What, what, was it after you got robbed about 17 times? Yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. Well, well, this is the thing, comedy, <laughs> my comedy was born, my comedy was born in the Bronx as a defense mechanism to the, the snapping, right? The snapping mm -hmm. that was going on back and forth used to turn into slap boxing and then that turned into just straight fighting yeah you know uh so we had a progression in my in my neighborhood that started out with the words and so i realized um that my words were getting me into a whole lot of trouble mm -hmm. because i was i was that dude that was writing snaps at night at home because i didn't want to lose so that meant that I was sharpening a blade, right, of my words. Um, and it, it didn't always fare well. Like, you know, the coge the, galleta the that I was in the neighborhood, uh, because, of, because of how sharp my <laughs> tongue was. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you, 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 had to take, you had to take it. You know what I mean? It was like, it was rough. So it, it, it like, I don't know, it, it evolved. You know, it evolved into when we, we got older, me and, the, me and the guys in my neighborhood, we got older, they realized that I had a talent. You know, I would go to the movies and I would recite everything that happened in the movies. I would watch Saturday Night Live. I would recite everything that happened on Saturday Night Live. And they started to almost look at me like, how are you doing? That? How did you watch that one time and memorize you know, not only what Eddie Murphy said, but what the girls said, this guy said, that guy, I, I would remember the entire dialogue watching it one time only. And so it, it just continued to evolve. It just continued to evolve. I mean, I started comedy when I was 27. I, I started a, a writing course because I was, you know, I felt like I knew how to write. I just didn't know how to write funny. And then, I, and then it just, like I said, it just took off. I did my first show at 27 was my first show that I had ever done I took a comedy workshop and they offered a offered a you know a moment on stage five minutes on stage at the end of the workshop of which half the class didn't take and I and I decided all right I'm gonna do it I'll give it a shot and I went on stage and I never looked back that's over 20 years ago oh, God bless. Yeah, God February, bless. February May 20 years February 15th that was the day that I first took stage over 20 years ago. So that's crazy, man. It's crazy to me, the journey, right? Because you, you, you find that it's a journey of, uh, a, it's a journey of laughter in the beginning. And then it becomes a journey of soul. You know, mm -hmm. once you find your funny, then, then the, the question is to become great at this, how much of your soul are you willing to bear for the sake of humor, for the sake of bringing the laughter? So, so it's a constant challenge of how deep are you willing to go? And, and you realize that because uh, like Richard Pryor in the very beginning, he was a clean comedian. He was doing mm -hmm. a lot of the, you know, how do you say in Spanish, we called it a charlatan, like he was just a, 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 a young black smiley face, you know, he just wanted to hear the laughs and then the laughs become secondary to being honest with the audience, to being more open with them, right? So the laughter becomes second. But once they unite, 
that's when that's when you become a problem. Like Sebastian Maniscalco, you know, Joe Coy, Angela Johnson. When you start to really embrace that comedy is the within, you just become a problem. You just, you know, the, because the earth, the earth can't deny you your honesty, your true self, your storyline, exactly. you know? And, I, and that's why I, I, I feel like, like the George Carlins who wrote, he wrote everything that he was, you know, thinking, even religion and things where people go, you don't talk about that. George Carlin was like, why not? You know, yeah. why not? Because some people are going to get it. They're going to get it. That I'm not saying it didn't exist. I'm just saying that, eh, you know? And, uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, and it, it, just, it just, it's all, like, if you really fit in the ball, you know, the guys who fit in that ball deserve it, right? They deserve it, whether you're a Bernie Mac fan or whatever it is, who you, whoever you're a fan of, the Bill Burrs of the world, the Dave Chappelles, you go, they all fit in this ball because... They went from money to something else. It, it just, it's just something else. You know, the, the, the mm -hmm. willingness to bear a soul on stage in front of strangers is so Priceless. like, it's so profound to me as the person who is still finding his way. Like after 20 years, yeah. you know, I feel like Luke Skywalker, you know, there because there's, yeah, because it's funny because there's Obi-Wan and then there's Yoda, but to get to Yoda status, you know? Yeah, it's insane. Like, Yo, what do I have to do, you know? Why am I still Skywalker? <laughs> but, <you know? laughs> but it's still, but I'm still, I'm still grateful for the process. Right. And that's Absolutely. I think that's the beautiful thing about stand up comedy is the more I give to it, the more it gives me back. But not like what you think. It's not a it's not a fancy car or money or whatever. It's there's something about how I walk the earth, knowing that I live honestly. Most people, most people put, on, you know, live in their shell comfortably. You know, they go to work and they see people. Hi. Hi, John. How are you, John? You know, then they <laughs> right. Then when they go home, they're, they're, that's when they're their true selves. Right. When I go to work, that's when I am my truest self. You know, when I get on stage, I'm in front of all these people who I've no known from it. You know, I am my truest self. It's like it is a crazy, crazy thing, but it's the most beautiful thing. It's the most poetic part of doing stand up. And I guess that's why people feel so connected to you because you're not you're not just a comedian. It's like, well, that guy's an extension of my family because he's telling me all these stories that are hitting home and and that they resonate with me. Um, but you just you just named you reeled off a couple of big giants in the comedy game. Who is who are some of the folks that were influential on your comedy early on? Um, see, there's a there's two parts to that question because. Okay, so I came up in the New York comedy scene when some of the greats were doing were doing stand up, right? So the people that influenced me as a young, just as a young person that made me laugh and made me want to be like them, number one is the obvious. I grew up when Eddie Murphy was in his 20s and he was on everything. Yeah. You know, he was on everything. He was on Saturday Night Live. He was in all the movies. He was on Johnny Carson. He was, on, you know, the man... The man plagued us. He plagued us with laughter. And a lot of people just forget who Eddie Murphy is, you know, how funny that man, that man is. And so I give like all the props. And even though he was born of a Richard Pryor, I didn't get to watch Richard Pryor because I, you know, Richard Pryor was only in the movies at that time. Yeah. You know, he was only, they would only show him like, you know, in sort of quietly in places that wanted to pay to see him, they could see him. Whereas Eddie Murphy, he was on TV, like yeah. he was on TV being as, uh, how do you say, funny, but also as talented, right? So Eddie Eddie would be down as number one, but I mean, um, Billy Crystal was big for me really? when I was coming up. Robin Williams was on television also. Yeah. He was a stand-up comic, but I remember Mork and Mindy, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, John Ritter, you know, even John though not too. a stand-up comic per se, you know, John Ritter was everything to me, man. I watched, you know, I laugh. I probably laughed till I peed the first time watching Three's Company, you know, yeah, and watching was. the talent that was John Ritter. And so uh, Jerry Lewis, you know, my grandmother used to used to watch all the Jerry Lewis movies. I swear to God, people, most people think you laugh when you watch Jerry Lewis. I just can't believe he was so talented. Yeah. It's me like that. Look. <laughs> yeah. 
it still holds up too. I'm still a fan. Up, yeah. yeah, when I look for my funny, I watch Abbott and Costello. When I look yeah. for my for my the birth of my humor, I look, I watch a Jerry Lewis movie and I'm just like, how did they do this? How did they allow this guy to just run amok in yeah. front of the camera? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so there's like so many layers. And then and then as I became, you know, then I became a, co- a comedian and started to hear names uh, like George Lopez, a Latino He's like huge. me. Yep. And, uh, you know, and I just was like, oh, wow, I want to be like that. I want to be a storyteller like that because I have because George is so Mexican in his in his style. His 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 style isn't Mexican, but his Mexicanness, you know, it just oozes into his I'm style, right? right? And yes, yes. man, I love, yeah, I love, you know, I fell in love with George many, many, many years ago. Now he's a good friend of mine. I can't believe it. But George is like, you know, like like even Fluffy. I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of Fluffy until I started to work with him. And then I was like, man, this dude is a monster. He is. He is. You know, this dude, this dude really, he, he engages an audience almost like no other comedian out there. He's just so engaging. And Mark, he's um, clean. That's what's crazy. And then clean. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a, so th- these were like little bits of bits of nuggets, you know. And then when you get a look, like I got in my teens, I was watching George Carlin. For just like profoundness, I was just like, why, why am I not laughing? Why am I, why is my jaw dropped? Is somebody is he was smart, you know? Super, Carlin, yeah. Carlin was like a savant. You know, he knew facts, he knew, he knew things most people don't care to know. So he made that a part of his stand-up, which is like still to me one of those things that I have to challenge myself to do. Be factual. You know, if, if I'm gonna bring something up, you know tell a fact inside of the embellishments of inside of the humor, you know, so many, so many little things like that, you know, uh, uh, kind of helped me mature the, the stand up, the stand up comedy side, you know, but, um, you know, Chris Rock, I meant to, to think that I've worked with Chris and, and I've, and I've sat back and had to watch him work is just like, Again, that's watching the Ob One. You know, like I yeah. got to, I got to take the stage for ten minutes and then sit back and watch this dude just go on and annihilate an audience with cerebral, smart, well-written. You know, Jerry Seinfeld. Like I, I have such a love and affection for everyone that does this. But I would say the the dude that that paved the way that really opened the door for me to make people laugh is Eddie because that's who I was. That's who I was emulating. Every time I went to hang out with my friends, I was doing, you know, <laughs> and I was outside trying to trying to recreate, you know, James Brown, trying to re- the way Eddie did it, you know. I'd, yeah. And when Eddie did a white dude, I did it like Eddie, you know, it was hilarious, you know, it was funny. You know, everybody was like, "Yo, Mark, yo, you do that shit, man, it's funny." Yo. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I was funny because Eddie Murphy did something funny. Like I was uh, doing nothing was my own when I was you know 15 years old I was doing everything that Eddie did you know yeah. <laughs> it's funny not, not taking but, nothing not taking nothing off uh I'm sorry Lou okay. not taking nothing away from Richard Pryor because we know he, he was he was phenomenal but I think for our era Eddie Eddie is the goat like yeah. I remember yeah. watching watching uh when I first raw? heard I didn't watch uh, not raw delirious okay delirious. delirious you know what Mark hit the nail right on the head what makes it connect and funny is that it's the facts behind it you know how many times we were running be- after the the, the 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 ice cream truck and there was always one kid that couldn't buy the ice cream and then we're cruel motherfuckers you got no idea that happened <laughs> that fucking yeah. happened yeah. And, yeah. and then you would drop your ice cream and the day oh, that's fucking hilarious shit bro yeah and so i know yeah he's the go for us i, I i'm with yeah. mark on this one like yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. The yelling up to the window, mommy, mandame, mandame chavo, que, que, que viene el ice cream. And then was pulling down, you know, my, my grandmother would put money, change in a in an aluminum foil. Oh, yes. We would put it in a little piece of aluminum foil. That shit was like a missile coming from the fifth floor. That shit hit you on the hand. You're like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't care. You grabbed you it, you were running out oh. the Went to the ice that shit was still sizzling. Look, you had a you had a dent. 
Yo, you had a bend in your hand from being on the floor. You was like that. Yo, let me get vanilla ice cream. Those are battle scars. <laughs> Yo, those are battle scars for Mr. Soft, bro. <laughs> hey, Mark, you, you um I, you actually kind of led me to my next question. Uh George Lopez, he, he he's our iconic uh comedian. I actually got tickets from him in May, but I see that you partnered with him and you guys are working on a sitcom. Can you tell us about that project, how it came about and how that relationship developed? between you two guys yeah well uh that project was uh, on the okay so let, let me just digress slightly that project was in the works it no longer is in the works because oh, we ah. george and i yeah I'll, I'll tell you why but but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that it's never gonna happen we just mm. we you know i wrote a show right i wrote a show based on my life and at the time george's right hand person in his production company leslie smalls um, saw me doing a set uh, for a TV show called Comedy.TV. It plays all over, you know, it's one of those TV shows that plays um, in different markets, like like Comics Unleashed. It's like one o'clock okay. in the morning Okay. on, on like on the, the country music channel when there's nothing else to play. They, you know, Byron Allen has sold all these different specials. So I did a special for them and uh, George Lopez, you know, like I said, his right hand person looking uh, a scout for him, saw me uh, do my set. I got a standing ovation on a part of my joke where I say no words. I, I was killing. And then I do a part of a joke where I say women check your phone when you fall asleep. And then I then did the act out of men sleeping and a woman slithering out of the bed little by little, <laughs> you know, uh, as she goes to check your phone like a ninja. Um, <laughs> And the audience, I said no words during that part of the joke. I'm just slithering little by little by little by little by little. And I'm acting it out, acting it out. And I, I get up and I go, thank you guys so much. I'm Mark Vieira. The place just stands up. Like they just have, have, they're just hysterical laughing. Leslie comes to me and she goes, you are a walking TV show. So let's do it. Okay. And, uh, and she said, send me, send me, you know, send me all the particulars. I want to know what this show would be like. Who's it about? Blah, blah. So I, I wound up sending, working with her. And like about a week later, because I'm Johnny on the spot, I can write. I'm not I'm not a dumb guy. I wrote the, the what's called a treatment. I send it to Leslie and then she goes, OK, um, let's let's get George on on. a." At that time, it was it wasn't Zoom. It was something else. Um, whatever the, the thing was at the time, the conference call okay. and, you know, I'm, I'm looking like this at Leslie in one screen, George in the other screen, and my manager's in the other screen. And George takes this to the floor and he goes, Mark, I read your treatment. Um, you are the next me. I swear to God, you have to see my, I got up, I put my, my camera on pause. I went in the living room and I threw myself on the floor like a, like a little girl being asked out on a first date. Like I was... That's amazing. I just couldn't believe that George said that. And then he goes, you are fucking hilarious. And your story needs to be told. You know, every time America thinks of Latinos, they think of Mexican-American experience. But there's a Caribbean, there's a Caribbean uh, Latino that is underserved. And we're going to tell your story. And so we started the project from there forward. We got a, a head writer. We wrote the script. We sold the show to Warner Brothers, which is the same production company as the George Lopez show. Um, the own, now, now here's where it gets sticky. Just because you're writing a show, you sold a show, which I made some money. Doesn't mean your show goes on air. There are, wow. to get on air, you basically have to, you know, cut off a limb. You know, it, it's almost like, like Russian roulette, uh, uh, not Russian, like roulette, you know, it just, your number has to hit the right peg. And wow. my number just didn't hit the right peg because I was going up against about four other shows. So when they put my show, you know, on the table with all the executives, everybody has to decide, is this a show that, you know, remember the TV shows, especially on television, not on Netflix, the TV shows only get on air if the sponsors approve. Mm -hmm. So you have to get like a Johnson and Johnson, Coca-Cola, McDonald's to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to, you know, we will definitely sponsor this show. The shows, listen, the, the, the TV Networks, they don't give a shit about what show was on. 
they care who the sponsors want to, the you know, because about money. Exactly. exactly. Because sponsors are the ones paying for the commercials in between, right? And that's how you get paid. Those are the millions come in from. The yeah. millions come in from the sponsorships and you only have 22 minutes to tell your story. So against me was a, a comedian named Dov, David Dov, very, very funny. Another female funny chick named Mindy Colling. She's from the show The Office, and she winds up oh, going the up. India, the India chick. Indian chick. Yeah. So they were looking for a diverse show, right? So the Latin and blah, blah. So I knew that the other dude, they, Dav, uh, D-O-V is his name, Dav Davidov. I knew that he wasn't going to make it because they weren't looking for a white show, you know? So it was basically between me and Mindy Colling. And Mindy Colling, the only difference between her and I, number one, my show was better than hers. But she had celebrity already she had already mm -hmm. been on the office. office she had already been on a couple of projects where she was already in a, in a bit of the of the uh eyes of the public so it was sort of like an unknown like a rocky you know situation where i was the underdog in that in that scenario i was the underdog the difference was my show had heart and soul and her show was about an indian girl getting dick and <laughs> i don't know how i don't know how that show beat me i gotta be honest it was a horrible horrible show but had a good lead which was her plus she was as brown as they come and i look white i i get it why fox you know fox had a big undertaking mm. so uh you know so i sold the show to warner brothers i sold the show to fox we wrote several episodes so we you know me and george we had to work a lot together so we wound up creating this incredible uh, kinship between he and i And we became friends and there was no love lost at the show because it had nothing to do with me or George. Gotcha. You had nothing to do with me or George. Like that is the shit that happens in Hollywood. You know, Dave Chappelle, I think, wrote 16 pilots before anything ever became of his name. You know, this is what happens. Kevin Hart, yeah. Dio Hughley, Chris Rock, they all had pilots that didn't do shit. This is what happens. You know, this is called. The, the Hollywood process. You, yeah. you got to keep writing. You got to keep creating. You got to be, this is the most important part. You got to be relevant. You know, the relevant part becomes the, the high thing in Hollywood. You know, okay, you're telling a story, but what's relevant about it? You know, why does America need you? The difference is now that we have social media, they don't have to test your pilot anymore like they used to. You know, they could just go, Do you have any episodes of this? And you go, yeah, I, I already I did it. I did a couple of quick snippets and they're on my my TikTok and it has 80 million views. And they're like, all right, well, you need a show. That's it. You know? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, not only that, but I can do an episodic show with a little bit more freedom on Netflix. Yeah. Which is what, which is honestly where I would rather be. You know, I'd rather be on like a Netflix where you have a little bit of, of creative freedom. Whereas the network says, well, the FCC says a woman doesn't say bitch. And that's what mm -hmm. happens. You know, a guy can say bitch, a woman can't because that, you know, because that makes a woman look evil and they don't, you know, do so it's many crazy. rules to the game. Wow. You know, so crazy. many rules to the game. They're playing 1950s, you know, where a woman <laughs> doesn't, you know, she's there, but she doesn't have a prominent role. So yeah. to speak. No, but listen, to the, the mere fact that you got to work with George, uh, the praise that he gave you. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just more fuel for you to keep on pushing forward. And and we're, we're as fans, we're glad to hear that. And we can only anticipate what's in the future for you. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of against the clock. I wanted to because I we have fans that are big fans of Mark Anthony. Yes. Tell us about that experience. I mean, you you were you were pretty much a rock star for the time you were on tour with him. So tell us how that went uh, and any crazy stories that you could share. Um, well, this is the thing. So Mark is very to himself. You know, he's not like he's not what you think when you're on tour with him and he's partying with you and you're dancing salsa with him in the back. Um, <laughs> very It's very work oriented. You know, he has a show to do. The show is two hours and I'm about 30 minutes of his show. So the, the experience, the highlight of it was, you know, I would come out to a dry ass crowd. They just got to their seats at the, you know, American Airlines Arena in Miami, you know, and here I am. I'm the first thing that they see at a concert. They paid well over a hundred dollars to see. So I, I took that very seriously and, you know, had to find my way how to, how to entertain 27, 30,000 people at a time 
um, while I'm not important to them. They didn't pay to see me. You know, yeah. they paid to hear, you know, <laughs> you know, all, all of Mark's greatest hits. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they're like, yo, sing preciosa, comedian. Like, you know, you, but you, what happens is that they realize, especially if you're funny, that you're funny and they yeah. and that you be you you deserve to be listened to. And I feel like that was the, you know that was the process with that for me is that as now, now listen, once you're done with stand up, I had the best seat in the house. I'm watching Mark from 10 feet away from backstage awesome. and I'm dancing. I'm singing every lyric. I see him with no shirt, no shoes, sweating. And I, again, I just realized that this is, listen, man, as much as I want to say that's funny and blah, blah, and there's a heart and soul, there's the most important part is the performance. You know, the most important 100%. part of what I do is that I gear up to perform for the audience, that I never take a night off because a Mark Anthony would never do that. You know, uh, uh, a Gabriel Iglesias would never do that, never. So I make sure that before I go on stage that I am John Ritter, Mark Anthony, Fluff, you know, I am taking all of those experiences and highlighting the fact that the audience save their money, whether it's $30 ticket, $10 ticket, whatever it is, they paying money to see me. So my experience with Mark taught me that whatever, if you have a headache, you better take three Tylenols and go get it because that audience, man, they've been, some people wait months to see me. Some people drive, I do a show in Jersey. They drive from Virginia. They drive wow. down from Connecticut. And I'm just like, damn, you in the car for three and a half hours? To watch me do an hour, well, I better make this hour worthwhile, you know, Absolutely. because, right, we're taking time from our kids, from our lives. They, they want to spend an hour with me. Then I got to make it worthwhile. I got to make that shit memorable. You know, it, it, it's so important to me. You know, Mark doesn't do songs he wrote on the way in. He knows that people want to hear you know, eso maldito celo. Like, they, they want to hear <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, they don't, they're not there to hear, you know, all right, everybody, I wrote this song on the way in, it's called La Chula Pepa, and they're like, no, 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 he did in 96, and he's like, that shit is from 96, bro, (laughs) (laughs) but but what happens is, is what I'm trying to get at is that people connect to music, right, there's a song that here that's connected i call it connective tissue it's like it's something that immediately when you hear it is grabbing you and i feel like a lot of the jokes that you hear that your wife is laughing at in some respects you know maybe that joke has connective tissue to her you know where she's like oh my god the one he does about bustelo i remember <laughs> i used to go to mommy's house and mommy would be like Ay, tomate un café antes que te vaya and you're like mommy can't drink the coffee because I got an hour and a half and I, and I gotta, I'm going to have to shit. I don't want to drink, you know. So even, even as silly as that may sound, Bustelo for us is a, it's connected. It connects you and me because I don't drink, I don't drink Folgers, bro. Like, yeah. you understand what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I, it's, but when, I, when I say Bustelo, it's almost like you could smell it. Like, you, yep. I say Bustelo and I smell you like that. Look. <laughs> In the dynamic, it's almost the same, you know, where Mark sings that song, I do that, that joke, you know, that yeah. people love, they just love it. So uh, it, it just taught me to, to be the, the, a professional and a performer when I hit the stage. Now, when I'm off stage and you want to talk to me, bro, it's like this. Yeah. You know, it's like this. I'm, I'm very general. I'm very cool. If you want to talk, yo, did you see the Golden State? I'm very like that. But when it comes to when I get on stage, bro, I it, there's something happens where the knob turns to 10 because I don't know how to do eight or seven or I'm 10, you know? Yeah. That's awesome, and, bro. That's and I definitely awesome. and that definitely comes across in your work. You are a true professional when you're up there. Hey, Mark, it's been a hold true. Up, hold, up, it, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, wait, Chris, because I don't want it to get cut off. Mark, right, so go ahead. it's been a true, true delight <laughs> to have you on. And before I let you go, I just need you to do a drop for us. Just introduce yourself, who you are, and say that you're listening to the Breeze Shooters podcast. All right. 
Hey, what's up, everybody? This is comedian Mark Vieira, and you're listening to the Breeze Shooters podcast. Let's go. One last drop, Mark. Say, Chris, you need to lose weight. <laughs> Yo. Yo, why you got to take shots? Don't fat shame me. <laughs> no, no, wait. No, no, Chris, Mark, you need to come I'm to the to... gym with me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo, yo, no, yo, listen, Mark, if you don't stop, you look like a stunt double for The Rock. Yo, you, yo, you, yo, I'm watching, I'm watching the gym videos. I said, this guy doesn't want to be a comedian. The boy, he's going to go to WWF, man. He's jacked up. They, they call me the little pebble, bro. <laughs> hey, Mark, man, it was a true delight, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank, so you thank you so much, Mark. Thank Appreciate you so much. Y'all, man. Thank you for and having God me. God bless you and continue success, man. Man, I need you guys, all right? Yeah, you got it, man. Be good. God bless. All right. Thank you.